All right. Hello and welcome to the Board Game Triangle, where people go to get lost in games. I am one of your hosts, Sarah, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Ken. Hey, everyone. And Tim. Hello. Okay, that was a really weird hello, but we'll, <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, the point is for people to be able to recognize your voice, Tim. If you use a weird voice in your intro, they're not going to know who you are. Hello, my sexy board game people. Yeah. All right, apparent, apparently we're just doing weird voices, which is cool. We're going to talk about board games. It's going to be so good. <laughs> okay, so one of my ideas is to make a TikTok account for us that's like ASMR, so save that for the TikTok. <laughs> Smooth macaroni and cheese stirring action here at the Board Game Triangle. You've just got to be really quiet and like tap on your microphone. Okay, so <laughs> sorry. we digress. We digress. So we'll get started. Um, so we have had quite a bit of gaming since the last time we recorded. So we want to... It has been a while, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's been a minute. We've, we've been... Tra- Tim's been all over the world and I've been... To one country that's not this country. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's more than most. So that's uh, that's still good. It's still good. Yeah. So we've had some vacations. We've had had some time and lots of board games. So um, let's start off talking about our last game of Twilight Imperium, which we kind of teased at the end of our last episode. Uh, mm. We're all still here, so I guess no one yep. was too terribly offended. I don't know who wants to recap that for us. I would just want to recap because it just, it warmed my heart just how much one. So we actually had an agenda phase and the very first one basically boiled it down to us only getting one vote each. And it was absolutely beautiful. It totally changed the dynamics of the game. And I don't think we could have drawn something better, especially since agendas can just be so hit or miss. It's really exciting when you get one that already right out the gate just impacts the table. I was really stunned by the fluctuation in player count over the course of the game. Uh, Normally with Twilight Imperium, you want to have the same number of players throughout the game. We went from when we were recording our podcast, only having five players lined up to play, to by the time we started playing the game, having eight players at the table. Oh, that's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Eight players at the table for a a six-player game, which meant we had two teams of two. Now they needed it, though, like because we had a lot of new players, and... Uh, kids, don't try this at home, all right? <laughs> I invited my neighbor who, he's at least played a board game or two, but it's a hell of a thing to be like, hey, you want to casually join us for a 12-hour board game? All right, sure. With with eight people at the table, I think we taught the game to four people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, w- I would say that the, that the pairing actually worked really well, uh, especially yeah. for the new players. It really helped them think about different things. They could entertain strategies. It made making deals really interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Was it was really helpful for them, I think, in being able to discuss strategies as well, because they could discuss between them themselves a strategy without getting any spoilers to other players and clarify to each other rules that one or the other had forgotten uh, to point out when one of the strategies was not going to work. So uh, yeah, it did work pretty interestingly. Although... One of our pairings was uh, Sarah and her husband, who had both played the game before. So that was also interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's why she, that's why she won. So um, I, I just want to say <laughs> okay. right now she was cheating because okay. she had she had two brains really going at it. I started out early with a partner, but then he had to split off and take over because one of our players had to leave. And, you know, I held my own at that point. He did. I will say this. 
I always choose aggressive factions. It's a terrible decision. You always do it. If anyone's not familiar with TI, this is like an area control game. Lots of strategy. There's different factions you can play. Super aggressive, more like research-based, more diplomatic. And I always go aggressive because apparently that's just who I want to be and it's not who I am. Um, (laughs) But with Morgan with me, I was way more aggressive and it was way more effective. Yeah, I, you guys actually really paired up extremely well, which is why, you know, I think that definitely contributed to your victory. Like, Morgan is too aggressive. Yeah. And he was able to, between the two of you, you could balance out and really make, I think, an overall balanced, uh, educated decision anytime you had things come I up. I have always thought it'd be amazing to do you know full full teams for each faction in ti and have you know a, a person who sits before, at the board right? and do, does it have have each person mm-hmm. have a diplomat that would go off and have and, exactly. and, and work out deals together maybe even have a, a you know a third person to sit and help try to you know be a runner between the two different people and you know but at least i think two player teams could make a lot of sense because there is definitely enough going on to make it ooh, uh, ooh. very enjoyable you know what I just thought of right now, like in that same vein, like we, we've entertained this before, right? This is something mm-hmm. that we had at, at the table have thrown around because we just thought it'd be funny, but I think I know the right way to do it. So every, every, uh, team. So there's teams of two, you have the player and the ambassador and the ambassadors, they go off with that whole Mechatol Rex, like agenda phase. You don't know what, mm-hmm. the, what they're dealing with behind closed doors. They just go oh off gosh. by themselves and then they come back and they're like, by the way, we, uh, we passed this law. I hope it doesn't uh, mess up. They would be amazing if you could like have like that, that going on at the same time. I kind of love that idea. <laughs> you have no idea, like, because there's also like always, if you add a second person, anytime you've got a team, the team has to come to a consensus. It takes longer. Mm, right. So if that person is the only one making the decision, it's just going to be chaos. And I this is what it. TI four needs to be. Then it needs to be a two, like a two player per team game. And there's deals going on behind the scenes. And neither of you have perfect information because, you know, things mm-hmm. get lost in the shuffle. You know, I'm always traveling. I can't keep up with all the, all the political, you know, espionage that is going on behind the scenes. Uh, it would be, it'd be kind of a cool dynamic to have the new TI find now a way you, to like integrate that. Now you just have to find a perfect number 12 players to come yeah. to your table. So you'll, you'll play it once every, <laughs> uh, every five years. And then, you know, you'll go down to one player each, you know, in the middle of it, I'm sure. So, and then you have to figure out like, who's going to be the one that does the agenda phase versus the action. Like that's going to be different. That's yeah. Be different. It's, it's not realistic, but it just sounds fun. It, it well, does I, I mean, I've been very interested in, in mega gaming kinds of concepts where, I mean, they have mega games that will have, you know, a thousand people get together and do you know, play out all kinds of different you know, roles and factions and manipulations and, you know, moving, uh, moving Twilight Imperium, uh, you know, one step toward more toward a mega game, I think could be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but. And actually think, speaking like said, of uh, new iterations of TI, we've got a, an exciting new thing on the horizon for TI generally, right? Yeah, so uh, Board Game Arena is now doing is now going to have a Twilight Imperium offering, which is fantastic. They've done a great job with in all the other games during the pandemic. I bought a subscription a subscription yep. because they did they they've done such a great job, and they really get a, a lot of amazing games. And as far as I'm aware, it's still free to play for the most part for for many games, yep. and you just need one person to have a subscription. 
and then the rest of you can play. I know it sounds like we're, we're sponsored by them. I just, I'm just a really big fan of what they do. We started playing as a group uh, doing Twilight Imperium on Tabletop Simulator Online. So all three of us are very familiar with playing Twilight Imperium Online. The difference between what Twi- what Tabletop Simulator does and what Board Game Arena does, though, is that Board Game Arena will entirely enforce and implement all the rules for you in a fully automated fashion. So the Twilight Imperium Tabletop Simulator mod has a lot of things automated for you, makes a lot of things faster and easier, but it doesn't fully enforce the rules that people are using. That is something that is done with uh, Board Game Arena when it does uh, its implementations, though, for us. So it will be very exciting to see uh, what Board Game Arena's full tabletop or full uh, Twilight Imperium implementation does for us. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, speaking of new implementations, this weekend, we ended up playing the new iteration of Castles of Burgundy. Yes, the one that we mentioned (laughs) having... And in, in, in our in our second maybe uh, episode, we mentioned having it, and Tim was really excited to play it. We have finally gotten around to playing it months later. <laughs> yeah, this is just how it goes. Uh, this is why it's hard to have a big collection, because it's just hard to get to everything. Um, but yeah, finally got to Castles of Burgundy. The production quality is fantastic. Haven't even gotten to any of the oh, new beautiful. content that's in it, but... Yeah, it's gorgeous. And Sarah finally got to play. Actually, Sarah and Ken got to play it yep. for the first time. They had never played it before. So well, what what were you guys' thoughts uh, of the game? Having played it for the first time, I would say, one, very fun game. Very much enjoyed it. Lots of like little animals that I could get. And, you know, I love a game with animals. But also, I firmly stand by my thought that miniatures would make that game even better. Ah. I know that they're not practical and I know that they don't, they're logistically a nightmare, but Oh my God, I would totally play with that. I think, I think you'll understand the plight more as your collection builds, which uh, I believe your collection is building now, isn't it, Sarah? (laughs) Uh, It is. You guys have got me like, okay. I say you guys, I've gotten through this process way deeper down this rabbit hole of a collection so this is how it starts man like yep, you you yep. get one or two and then it's like kaboom all of them okay but i'm 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 slowly finding my specialty within our group i think mm-hmm. so you guys have big collections my collection is now like half solo games <laughs> like, <laughs> so the big one that started me on this is uh, the game Final Girl. So it's like based on the concept of in a horror movie, there's always like the final girl that has to stand off against a killer and you're moving around a board. It's very much a solitaire kind of game, but you've got different actions you can take. It's dice rolling. It's it's thematic. It's great. I now own all of season two. So it's a core game. So you buy the core box, but then you have different, uh, they call them films i think uh -hmm. different films and it's basically like a different killer different final girl different setting so the ones that i have like i have a big bad wolf one there's a riding hood it's in the storybook forest but i also have nurse ratchet that's in a, a psychiatric hospital and they all have different tweaks on them and the cool thing is well one the production quality is fantastic like the boxes come apart to become the board that you're playing with Super cool. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Morgan bought me all the miniatures. So I have miniatures of all the final girls and all the the bad guys, all the killers. I have like mats that go with it. 
so deep down this down this rabbit hole. And now Ken's just sent me a new, there's like a, a Kickstarter for season three. So there's like a whole new set of films that are coming out. It's, it's awesome. It's a super great game. But yeah, bought that one and a bunch of different, like I said, all of season two. And then Morgan randomly bought me the game Too Many Bones because I think he listened mm, to nice. it. He secretly listened to an episode. He hasn't admitted it yet and knows that I like I like RPG games and that's I a, like That's a really hard games. one to get to. So he had to do a lot of research and then go find it. Yeah, yep. no, I have an amazing, amazing husband. Um, and now he wants me to teach him how to play it. And <laughs> you guys know I'm not the rules person. But I'm dedicating myself to learning the rules to this game so I can very faithfully it's not DMing because it's not it's not like a D and D game, but I'm gonna DM this too many bones game. <laughs> well, Sarah, we might have to do a podcast episode about uh, how to teach a board game. Um yep. it's it's not I, I'm not sure if there's enough content for an entire episode, but there's definitely some some points that you can hit on there. And obviously there's some overlap with some other topics that we've already hit on a little yeah. bit at this point, which is kind of yeah. crazy to say that we're you know, we have multiple episodes in our backlog now, but Yeah. With that, whole... I think uh I think we're ready to to get to the the main event here. What yeah. are we talking about, Sarah? So today we're going to talk about a topic that I didn't even know was a topic, and that topic is table etiquette. Uh, so we're going to be talking about things that you should and shouldn't do when you're playing board games with other people. Um, I think it's kind of crazy. Like, how bad is it that like when I can't remember? I think Tim, maybe you pitched this idea, and I was like, wait, what is table etiquette? How bad is that yeah. that I did not know? And for for comparison, uh, I've been being taught about table etiquette by my family since the age of five. I, I remember things like being being dealt Uno cards and being told not to pick up my cards until they've been completely dealt because that was rude. And if I play cards with you know other more serious card players, uh, they would be upset about the fact that I was picking up my cards as they're being dealt. So you, you don't touch your cards until they've been they've been dealt, and then once they've all been dealt, everyone picks up their cards at the same time. Uh, playing games and being told uh, whether or not it was okay to, you know, talk about the cards in my hand or being uh, told whether or not I could advise someone uh, as to what they should do in a game that I walked up to in the middle, Um, playing chess with my dad, you know, knowing that, you know, yeah, you don't walk up to a a chess game and comment on the game in play beyond uh, vague, oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, You know, even saying, uh, oh, that that, that, that looks like a tough situation can be potentially, uh, you know, viewed as poorly by by chess players. I mean, that that is potentially divulging information, right? Absolutely. And so, like, compared to uh, people I know who didn't grow up in that kind of a a game playing environment who will just walk up to a table and say, uh, oh, uh, I can see what you're you're, you're setting up there and can completely spoil a, a, you know, trap that you're setting up for somebody and whatever kind of games knowing between games, between tables, you know, like when we're playing Twilight Imperium, as we were mentioning, we will very frequently point out that, oh, he's setting up a trap for you because we don't want our uh, our fellow player who's not winning to fall into the trap. If it's the person who's in the lead and you point out the trap they're about to fall into, generally that is going to be considered to be negative because you're like, why did you tell the person who's winning how to avoid getting hurt? And so that becomes... I yeah. mean, th- there, there's a lot of layers to that though too because yep. it could be that like you're telling them for strategic benefit. Like even though maybe they're in the lead and you and you're pretty sure they haven't identified it, but maybe you're telling them that because then you can leech off of that right. whole situation, right? So there's absolutely a give and take of unless you're in the game, 
first of yep. all, you probably shouldn't be commenting on it. But I mean, we're, we're probably talking about edge case here in general, because for the most part, you're going to be playing the game. But it is good to know if you are just an observer, be mindful of of comments that you're saying. And I'd say to me that the biggest table etiquette thing that has always been a big thing in my family and with myself is that if you're if you're playing a game, um, you need to be playing for the you know, to, to your best effort to help your faction or your side to do mm-hmm. well. Um, mm-hmm. People who will play games where they're just trying to help their boyfriend or their husband to win, that that is something that makes it very hard for me to want to be able to play with people because at that point it feels very, that feels very unfair and very frustrating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they're just trying to help, you know, help their crush to be able to win at a game in middle school. I'm not going to play games with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely, definitely something to avoid. But I mean, it's kind of funny because that, overall sounds pretty obvious but it's pretty it's it can be pretty easy to fall into that trap especially Mm -hmm. if you're dating somebody new or you're you still might coddle somebody a little bit when they're new to board games so there's a there's a very delicate line you have to flirt there oh no when we were playing ti and morgan split (laughs) off for me i was like can't wait can't wait to eat one of his ships yeah, because yep. I was the Volrath Cabal, and you can, if you destroy someone's ship, you get to keep it and then build your own ship for free of that type. So mm-hmm. that, that that really is so like the etiquette for each table and each group will will shift and will be different. I, I absolutely and game dependent. Was reading a, a Reddit page where people were talking. Someone was asking about whether uh, you know they're they're a jerk for having beaten somebody's uh, beaten their nephew and niece or, or children uh, at at a game. I mean, told that you know there may be when they're thinking, oh yeah, no, you shouldn't beat children at a game. Like you should just let them win. You want them to have fun, right? And it's like, well, don't you also want them to learn how to play the game well and to learn how to win and lose gracefully and understand that when they actually do beat a person that it's something that they actually achieved and won and not that they're just allowed to win. So those kinds of things, they, they do vary and, and expectations do vary between group. And definitely, I mm-hmm. think there are people who will get really mad if their you know, romantic interest uh, destroys them at a game. You're like, you know, well, what, was I supposed to just like go easy on you? And, you know, people mm-hmm. get mad about that kind of thing. So it does, it varies and it can hurt relationships. You know, that's why they make therapy therapists, you know, like, <laughs> if you get that mad about somebody beating you at a game, mm, Maybe talk about that with your therapist. I mean, this does kind of wrap back around to be aware of what games that you're buying, because if you know that, you know, your significant other cannot help themselves to be competitive, maybe be mindful of that and know that they probably won't won't lose gracefully given the game that you've purchased. Yeah. Just things to be mindful of. You Hmm. know, like I've heard Tim's mom gets pretty competitive. Oh, yeah. She can get (laughs) pretty competitive. It's definitely gotten better over time. Uh, but it is definitely one of those things that some people just, they have that streak and they just, no matter, no matter how hard they try losing gracefully is a, is a difficult thing for them. Not, not from just, you know, a shortcoming of their own. It's just, sometimes it's just how some of us are wired. So, but but I would say, I mean, to me, that is one of the core etiquette things in gaming is to both win and lose gracefully. Uh, When you win, Mm -hmm. you need to be very careful not to be rubbing people's noses in it, not to be sitting there and telling them all the things they did wrong that let you win, not to be talking about how much better or smarter or whatever you are. You just say, oh yeah, I, I made some good moves. I you know had some lucky breaks. You guys all played well, even if they didn't. And you just you're, you have to be nice about it. Um, if wait you a, lose wait the game, a minute, you said those words to me the other night. 
<laughs> I did I did win both of our games on Sunday and you guys played very well and I got lucky and I had some good breaks and oh. made some good moves. But yeah, no, totally great, oh. great game, guys. You did very well. Okay, oh. but I will say, I think that there's like a fine line between losing gracefully and giving someone who's obviously winning some shit. Because like, I mean, I've oh, got yeah. a bit, totally. I got a bit when Ken is winning that I'm like, oh, my name's Ken and I'm winning really <laughs> And that bit kills every time. So oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I would say giving giving shit to the person who's winning is I think is fine at most tables. Where where losing uh, is non graceful is when you start getting really mad. You start really you know getting you know uh, I I have a brother growing up who you know accused people of cheating when they were uh, were beating him at any game. If you start you know, you know really getting mad at the die rolls, really getting mad at the card draws, and yeah, it can be frustrating if things are not going your way, and especially if you don't feel like it's your choice. But being willing to say yeah, I mean sometimes do that happens and not getting mad about it, I think is, is the, one of the bigger parts of losing gracefully. Yeah, no, giving giving shit to the person who's winning, that's fine. Cool. That's I deserved totally, it. Yeah, as long as it's done... It's totally on I, the table. I guess as long as it's done in a, a, a happy spirit, maybe mm-hmm. is the way yeah, I want to phrase that. It, no, you're, you're totally right. Because if I had been like, my name's Ken, I'm winning, and it wasn't funny, if it wasn't a bit, that wouldn't have been fun. And I would say that the... You know, the group that we regularly play with, everybody does these things. That's why we like to play together. That's why we do play together. Um, I've definitely played games where I'm with the groups. Where I'm like, yeah, I'm never playing with them again because they don't do some of these things. And when when there's a difference in, in what people at the, in the group view as effective etiquette or when people just don't make an effort to be polite and courteous to the needs and desires of others, it can make it very hard to play with a, a given group of people or, or a particular individual. And there are definitely family gatherings where I just will avoid playing a board game with family members because I know things are not going to turn out well. So I guess one thing is just attitude, right? So like that's one category of table etiquette. Yeah. And I, I think also kind of along the same the same line, not even just winning and losing, uh, along the same line. Uh, I think recognizing good right. plays when they happen, I, little things like that can go a long way too. Like when we're playing, we'll often be like, oh man, that was a good play. It, little things like that go a long way at a table, I think, in terms of just build, building everyone up, just yeah. recognizing that sort of thing. Actually, that's part of the bit that was so funny on Sunday because Ken Ken wasn't winning. He was very much behind, but I could tell that he was gathering <laughs> end game points in this mm-hmm. game. And I was mm-hmm. like, he's going to crush us all. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely recognizing where other people are doing well is is a good thing. So now, uh, now for maybe a bit more of a hot take topic. This is something that we actually kind of went at it a little bit in our own in our own chat. But we were talking about house rules and how you mm. handle that because it's not very, it, 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 it's fairly common that you'll run into situations where you're just like, man, it feels like the rules should be different for this. And, you know, some people are more willing to implement their own versions of rules than others. Uh, I mean, so Ken, so let's, let's get started with this and just say, Ken, what are your feelings about house rules? <laughs> Uh, basically my feelings on house rules are that, um, I am generally against them. 
if we are going to be playing with house rules, they need to be established before we start playing the game and preferably in writing. Um, the few house rules that I will play with, I will actually write in the rule book to say that this is a house rule that we want to play with. Generally, because I found something about the core rule set that is broken if you know how to abuse it. Uh, one example being Bing, which I used to play a lot. Uh, I started running into people who would uh, ask someone to read their roll card in Italian because it has the, the roles in both Italian and in English. And nobody can, with a straight face, make up an Italian pronunciation of a role to do that. So it became a, it was a instantly a guaranteed way to determine if someone is actually was the role that they claim to be. The rules don't say you can't tell some, ask someone to read their card aloud to you. Uh, it does say you can't show your card, but it doesn't say you can't read it. And so that was a, a loophole in the rules that one of my friends found that I then wrote into the rule book saying, you may not ask the person their role in Italian and would make sure I would establish that uh, before we would play other things. Things like that that I find where there is a there's something that the rules don't specifically disallow, or sometimes there are things that are actually broken about the game but if it's written down and announced ahead of time and it at least somewhat makes sense to me, that's great. Um, what I tend to find with most house rules is that they're things that people have made up or played with for years and they break games. I think one of the most common examples of that is Monopoly. Everybody plays with a very thick set of house rules for Monopoly to the point that you know, most people who aren't fairly hardcore gamers don't even actually know the real rules of Monopoly. I'm pretty sure it's in the rules of Monopoly that you need to make up house rules. I'm pretty sure. That's okay, why everybody okay. makes no, them up. No, it's not there. No, it's not actually no. there. <laughs> no, no, they, no, no, they wrote them in. Oh, and by the way, for people who are having an aneurysm, hearing about Ken writing in the rule books, don't worry. He writes them on little post-it notes. He doesn't write it in the actual rule book. Or no, if he I, does, I actually do write it in ink, in ink in the rule book with a pen. All right, get the fuck out of here. Get, <laughs> come, get out of here. Come, come at me. Come at me. Come at me. <laughs> Ugh, you disgust me. I'm sorry, audience, for the the crime that you just uh, that you just listened and witnessed. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know how to play Monopoly because I think every game I've played it, somebody's had different house rules, and I think mm -hmm. it's just because Monopoly kind of sucks, and you're playing the game of capitalism, and it just is ugh, icky. So no one wants to play it the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah, but, but again, the, the issue I have is that the house rules people play with make it worse. They they make the game longer. Mm. They make the game um, less more less fair. Tactical. They make it more fair, which is bad. That's not the point of it. <sighs> okay, Nobody, nobody's problem with Monopoly is that it's half as long as it needs to be. And when you when you put money on free parking, <laughs> you double the length of the game. Like mm. if, if if anybody wants to play a long game Monopoly, that's a house rule to play with. But nobody wants. That's not. It doesn't have the impact anybody wants. And that that becomes the issue with house rules generally that I have is that. If if you have carefully considered how this game, like you know, playing uh, playing Twilight Imperium to twelve points, you know, as a house rule because it's either a ten point game or a fourteen point game, you can decide, hey, what I really want though is just an extra couple points. I don't want the full fourteen point game, and so we play to twelve points. When we played to twelve points, we also allowed a fourth secret objective uh, in our game a few months ago, six, three six whatever it was. That was a house rule. We, we agreed about it ahead of time. We said, hey, we're going to, since we're playing a longer game, we think it's probably okay to have a fourth secret objective. But that was a, a rule that we understood the implications of. We understood what it would likely do to the game. And we all agreed on it before we started playing the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, okay. that's different. So here's an honest, here's an honest question though. So what if you're playing with someone, I, I, I say this because I recently, as a person who bought a solo game, had to teach myself how to play a game for the first time. 
and have realized multiple times that I was playing it incorrectly. What if you're playing at someone else's house or, you know, just playing a game Mm -hmm. with someone else and they're the person that's doing the rules and they just fundamentally misunderstand or are mechanically doing something wrong? Like how well, that, do you That's a very different problem space, I think. Like there there's one there's one thing where it's like I know what the actual rules are and I am intentionally playing it differently. That mm-hmm. that that is like a conscious choice. That is not it's not a mistake. I wouldn't yeah. put that I, I'm not putting that in the same realm as house rules. That said, I definitely have run into people who when they have taught me a game and I realize as they're explaining it, that their rules are wrong because they don't make sense or there's a problem with it. And I say, I can't believe that's actually the rule. Let me look that up. And I pointed out what the real rule is at least half the time, they would rather still play with their own, with the rule that they were playing with before. They don't want to change how they play the game. So at that point they've gone from it being an accident to wanting to do it on purpose. Yeah, that's, that's a little rough. I mean, so the problem with this conversation overall is, Ken and I don't disagree on this point overall. <laughs> like there's not going to be a huge debate because I also am I'm of the mind that rules are what they are, you know, intentionally. I think it in general, like in most mm-hmm. cases, it is fairly presumptuous to assume that you understand the game balance better than the designer. It is not to say that designers catch everything. And it's not to say that every game is play tested to the same degree. But I, I do think that for the most part, they probably have a more fundamental understanding of why a rule exists and why it should be there. That's not to say that this is where it gets a little tricky is if you all just kind of agree that you think it's more fun to have a rule a certain way. Well, you know, that is the whole point of a board game, right? But I imagine that they're coming from the mindset that the, the designer is coming from the mindset that balance and fairness is probably going to lead to the most fun overall. That's not to say that's how every table operates, but I think it is a fair assumption. And I'm just in general, a you know, fairly rule stickler for that reason. So I think Ken is also on the same wavelength. But yeah, sorry, I, I didn't, there's definitely a lot of space for people to say, you know, I feel like it is more fun to play Scythe if we go, you know, an extra star before we end the game. Like say with Twilight Imperium, we're like, oh, let's play it at 12 points instead of 10. Let's allow people to score, you know, four secrets instead of three. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of those kinds of tweaks that can be fair and even mm-hmm. and may allow more of a kind of gameplay that a person or a group likes and takes away a lot of things that aren't there. Uh, Sarah asked me as, as we were discussing this topic, uh, how I'd feel if I, you know, it was three hours into, into a Twilight game and someone uh, said, oh yeah, we just never play with the agenda phase. Um, and what would I do about that? And honestly, like, I, I told like it would be that'd be hard for me because at this point I'm I'm multiple hours into this game. It's going to be many more hours to come. If the group really are like, yeah, I don't know, we just prefer to play it this other way. That's not you know the way that that I was expecting. It, that's going to be hard for me. If you think about it theoretically, you could leave out the agenda phase, and it would be way less spicy. But you would just be playing round one the whole game. It would get done yep. a lot faster for sure. Yeah. You it would it would take a lot of the spice out, but you could do it. Yep. And so and those are the kinds of house rules people do play with where they just like, yeah, we don't, we don't use this section because we figure that the rules for that are too complicated. We can't really figure it out. Um, I feel like we, we just get into too many arguments about the agendas. I mean, we we just don't do that. And I again I would hope that they would tell me that before we start playing the game. But I have I have been part of groups that, that have done that. I've been part of groups are halfway through the game, uh, one of the players will decide that, yeah, I just don't think that rule has a, you know, has a point. I'm just not going to follow it anymore. And I, I had, I had a, 
you know, friend largely stopped talking to me because we were at a camping trip. We had a big argument about a rule in a game. And, you know, afterward, we just never really spent a lot of time together again. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we didn't like have a, uh, you know, stomp off and decide we're never going to speak to each other again, but it, it did damage the relationship. And yeah, sure. I mean, I regret that. Like it, from, from my perspective, I should have been less stringent on the rule. And the, I did think it made, it was important. I did think it made sense, but if he was really going to be that strict on doing it, mm-hmm. I should have finished off the game, been, been gentle, like, okay, like I would really rather we continue to play with this rule, but you don't like it. You don't want to play with it. I guess official. I've I've walked out of games when people are uh, are not willing to, willing to follow a rule properly, and that's also a mistake. That was not a mature action on my part. That was mm-hmm. me feeling slighted and mistreated, and you know, getting getting angry about something that really wasn't worth the relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's hard. I, I that's a, a I would say it's a personality flaw on my part that when I feel like something is you know irrational, I have a hard time in moving past it. No, I've, I, done yeah. that. I've done I that in those you. situations. Not Ken over here being a fully evolved person. Oh my gosh. Caveman Ken. So here, mature. Live on the podcast. So I, I, mature. I, I, I definitely, I definitely feel that you can. Um, yep. And I think kind of to pivot only a tiny bit here because yeah. you brought up Scythe, which made me think that we'd be, we'd be remiss to not also bring up times that the developers have gotten it wrong. For yep. example, there is a there's at least a couple combinations of boards inside that have been determined to be OP and they have banned them now. Or yep. you know, obviously you could still play them, but right. in general, it is the assumption that and they even printed it in later rule books that like, hey, if this combination shows up, don't use it. It's too broken. And yep. in general, it's not even too broken if you're like you have to be a good player to really abuse it. But at the end of the day, they're like, hey guys. FYI, we missed this, even though we play tested it a bunch. Obviously, that's very different than thousands and thousands and thousands of players playing it. So just be aware that there are times where like, and that really probably emerged out of house ruling and people just discussing stuff online, right? right? So it's not to say that the developers always get it right. So I think it's important to point out that there is validity sometimes to people coming up with house rules. We, we were talking about the, a little bit as well, the issue of people uh, not not knowing the rules and not getting them right, how how do we engage with that? Again, I, I have in the past, you know, sit there and, you know, told people that they were, uh, you know, that they, 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 they were wrong and yelling at them for, for getting rules wrong. That that wasn't good. What what, what, what do we want to do? <laughs> no. What, um, but but how, how do we want to handle I'm pretty that? sure you escort them out the building is, <laughs> is the next natural step. But uh, I, I think that that this is where you need to kind of come to a table consensus, right? Like there is... There's a lot of ways that you could approach it. And I'm generally of the mindset of if people, if, if someone had a misunderstanding of like a rule and how they were doing it and it like genuinely affected, you know, let's say it's a, uh, let's, let's say it's an, well, I can give you, I can give you plenty of examples because I've done it very recently. (laughs) So on railroad Inc, all the exits that you're trying, you're trying to connect all the exits (laughs) And, you know, you have to start, you know, you can only connect railways with railways unless you have a connector, blah, blah, blah. And all of the exits start kind of on the corners of the board. All of those exits are either roads or railways. I didn't realize this. And I just thought, oh, you start wherever you start. (laughs) Fundamentally changes the game, makes it a lot easier if you can just start wherever. 
I would say with Railroad Inc., it is an easier fix in that you're playing it wrong doesn't directly impact anybody else at the table. They all are building their own their own rail system. Mm-hmm. It is much worse if the mistakes you've been making have been giving you have been changing the state of the of a, of a combined board mm-hmm. or impacting things that are in, that have been been causing decisions to be different for the other players at the table. Especially if this has been going on for a long time without anybody realizing or noticing it, it's mm-hmm. it's very frustrating to realize you know, again, like three hours into a Twilight game, but even even you know twenty thirty. 45 minutes into a board game to realize some way the table has been significantly distorting the overall game very badly. It's, it's, it's rough. Well, and oftentimes uh, I find that it's pretty common that it's not just one person misunderstanding the rule. Usually right. there's a rule that's actually a bit obscure or fairly convoluted or complicated or something. And multiple people have been doing it wrong. Now, the yep. easy solution to that is the way that it usually happens is somebody then has to look up the rule because there's a weird interaction and they're like, all right, I just want to get clarity on this once and for all. They look it up and they're like, oh, by the way, guys, we've all been playing this wrong. And this is how you do it. In that case, I would say you just all as a table decide, do we continue the game going forward with the corrected rule or you just play the rest of that game out with the way that you were playing it and then you just from right. from then on, you just play it correctly after that game. But and and I do like I think what you described there is a very important sequencing on that. Is that I think it's it's important with that to say, hey, can I look at the rule book real quick and look it up and and, and say, hey, so I look at this. It looks like we you know we or some of you were were doing this wrong. What often happens, especially in groups that have lost the rule book and nobody remembers what the rules are, if you just are saying no, that's not the right way to play it. You're you're cheating. You're doing that kind of accusatory language and that kind of uh, just trying to re- remember what the rules were gets very much more uh, conflict prone than if you like, Hey, so yeah, I, I took a look at this. It looks like, you know, based on my interpretation, maybe someone else might take a read this and, and confirm. But it looks like this is what we're supposed to be doing with it. It looks like we've been playing it wrong. And like I said, if we can either, either play out this using game, the Royal way, Wii goes a long way. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Even 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 if I have not been doing it wrong, if you say, "Oh, we have been playing this wrong. This is how it's supposed to be done." Um, maybe we go ahead and just finish out this game, you know, either with the old way or the new way, but make sure that next time we play the game, we play it right. Um, is is a lot better than you know really getting someone's case for having you know, and again, just always assuming the best of intentions on other people. Like if we assume that someone was trying to cheat or trying to take an adva- advantage, sometimes people are cheating and they they were trying to you're still better off assuming unless they, they blatantly keep doing it after it's been pointed out. You just assume that they, they made a mistake. This is actually how it's supposed to be done. This is how we do this. And that is, is hopefully how the next game at least gets played. Yeah. This is so tough. Cause it's just so person dependent and so table dependent. For example, let's say I realize, let's say Ken is the one who was like looking up a rule and then he realized, Oh, you know, it's, you know, you guys or we may be doing maybe doing something wrong, and I'll be it's like, "Funny, oh. because Ken is almost always the one that's looking up the rule." That's <laughs> that's pretty common, pretty common. But frequently, I, frequently I don't blame doing him. it right, and I'm just I'm just making sure. You yeah, know, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but it could be that like I realize, oh, I was doing that wrong the entire game, and I will actively be like, I'm pretty sure that because of that, it has had a major impact on the game. So right. now we're talking about how do you how do you reconcile something like that where maybe it's not easy to rewind those decisions? 
And I would say that's also up to the table. I will usually put it up the table with like, hey, guys, what do you think would be fair to do in order to reconcile that? It could literally just be like, hey, just don't do it anymore. Because at the end of the day, we as a we as a table don't care that much. Like, you know, we'll just we'll just know there's a little asterisk. Maybe if I somehow won the game, you know, like, I mean, it's. It's whatever, like y'all are but- putting an asterisk next to my TI win because I was playing with a partner the first part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, that, that wasn't cheating. That, yeah, yeah, that, no. That, that, I just put a, I just put an asterisk over your entire name. Yeah, like just, <sighs> just don't even count. Just completely on top of it. Yeah. Don't even count. Just asterisk won that game. <laughs> I definitely, like Kim was describing, don't prefer to try to rewind a lot of things. So even if we end up realizing that, oh, two turns ago, somebody made a mistake, they did something wrong. If we can just like make an adjustment and make things valid again on the, on the board, I would much rather mm-hmm. do that than try to rewind and fix it and then replay a bunch of turns. Oh, no, um, no, no. Yeah, replaying turns, unless it's like simple turns that it's very easy to do it, absolutely not. It just throws everything off. No, like, it's like a read like, the room kind of thing. You yeah. just got to see what, like feel it out with the table. Like if you're mm-hmm. the only one that's hardcore, like going for fixing it or rewinding it, or you're the one that's salty and everyone else is just kind of chilling. Maybe just <laughs> maybe check yourself you. a little. Maybe, <laughs> you're the, maybe you're the problem. <laughs> and that's, I'm saying I'm definitely and you know, talking about some of these past stories, like I've definitely realized at times that I am the problem. I'm the one who's agitated and upset about this and nobody else really cares. And I do need to just sit there that, Hey, just like, give me a, you know, give me a minute here. I need to you know, go, go get a drink or something and just, you know, take some deep breaths here because it doesn't matter. Um, but I said, if, if I'm playing with people who regularly uh, are playing fastest with the rules, people who are changing things halfway through the game, you know, I know people are not going to be consistently doing things um, throughout. Then, yeah, I try to avoid playing games with them. And sometimes I will be at a family gathering and I have to play with uh, this aunt or this whoever who is going to change things. And you just have to play along because that's the way things have to go. And so but, you know, knowing knowing what when things can be fixed and when things just have to kind of, you know, hold your breath and, and plunge through it is, uh, is, is a challenge. I'll also say this, as someone who has very recently gone into the realm of having to learn rules and then play by those rules and rules lawyer myself, because I'm never the rules lawyer. Like I am very much the rules defendant. Um, I think it's really important that if you're playing the game and you feel like something is weird, like this game is impossible, like this game is way too easy, reread those rules. Because I played maybe three games of Final Girl before I figured out that I was playing something very wrong that was making it incredibly hard for myself. Just luckily, it only happened uh, while I was playing a solo game. So <laughs> that that's actually pretty common, especially with complex games. It's so easy to miss little details, especially if the rule books aren't particularly great. It's right. pretty easy for that to happen. It's also important to realize that sometimes, especially when you're reading rules, it's kind of like reading a law or reading a policy, which is, I think, why the the kind of phrase rules lawyering is really apt, because in laws and in policies, a specific word, even though colloquially it could mean a bunch of different things, in this setting, it only means one specific thing. So like in too many bones, you've got a, a, a four by four grid that you're playing on, you 
are like your team versus the bad guys. And they use like adjacent baddies. They call them baddies, which is just the most adorable thing in the world. You can only attack adjacent baddies. And like, does that include diagonal for that game? No, it doesn't. So like knowing that specific words that you might think could mean multiple things, usually in a board game only mean one specific thing. And you got to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say, you know, again, kind of touching on the idea of cheating that you generally do want to avoid actually making direct accusations, accusations of cheating. Um, <laughs> even if you're pretty sure the person was uh, the, the, ex, the, Exception to this, it, you know, maybe like playing with children who, you know, if you like see them pocketing pieces or things like that, you know, like, no, we, we, we don't do that. This is not how we play the game. But even with that, trying to assume the best of intentions that, you know, that they didn't understand that this is not an appropriate way to play the game versus assuming that, you know, they're they're trying to uh, make things miserable for everyone around you. I would say definitely with adults, if a person is consistently cheating and when you point out their mistakes, they keep trying to do it. You're probably better off just finishing that game and avoiding playing games with them in the future than trying to you know, go out and have a duel in the street. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, unless there's big money on, on that game, probably not worth making a big deal out of it. No, 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 no. I like, I like where this is going. I'm actually feeling, I'm feeling the duel actually. <laughs> you know, the street in front of Tim's house would be perfect for a duel. It it's is perfectly it's a, it's straight. A dead end. Yeah. No. I, I, I'm thinking some cash and guns IRL, actually. <laughs> I think that sounds good. Cash and real guns. <laughs> cash and real guns. No, let's not. Let's not. Okay. So we've talked about rules. We've talked about attitudes. Let's talk about what everyone, when they think about etiquette, is talking about. And that is attention phone leaving the table. Oh, God. Yeah. What, how, how do we expect people to act when they're playing board games as far as can you be texting? Can you just get up and go get a snack whenever? I would definitely say like with role-playing games, getting people to not get on their phone when, you know, they're in a downtime and com- you know, when, when people are taking turns in combat and things like that is very hard. And, and even with, you know, games like Twilight, we definitely end up having people pull out their phones a lot. So when you're talking long form games that have significant downtime for players, it can be very hard to get people to not pull out their phones, even for shorter games with a little bit faster thing. It's often like, okay, can you get off your phone? It's your turn now. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard. You know what TI actually has, I have not run into that that much to be honest with people like being on their phone. Now with TI, it's usually more people aren't aware it's their turn. Just, right. which in terms of table etiquette, it could, uh, it goes a long way to just go ahead. And if you know who the next player is, you actively get their attention and say, it's your turn. There's nothing yep. wrong with doing that. Also as a player, it's really great to say audibly at the end of your turn. And that's the end of my turn. That too, because then other people can help police the space. You know, police is maybe a terrible word for yeah. it, but they can help moderate the space, you know? No, I, gr- growing up, like at the end of a turn, we, I, again, I was always trained to say pass or, you know, at the end of my turn. At this point, I try very consistently at the end of my turn to tell the person whose turn it is next, you know, Tim, it is now your turn. Uh, Sarah, it is now your turn. And that is, to the best of my ability, the thing I do at the end of every time it's my turn because... Whether whether that person is uh, you know like Tim playing on his phone or like Sarah studiously trying to examine the board and and plan out the next three moves. Yeah, that's me. I plan documentation, baby. 
people cannot be aware that it's now their turn. And saying yeah. that gets saying their name gets their attention on some note is, you know, you are now up. Yeah. The way uh, there's a, honestly a whole, I've seen a lot of discussion threads about how you maintain attention during mm-hmm. a board game, just because there can be a lot going on. There's all kinds of discussions around also analysis paralysis and how you, you know, aid and alleviate those issues. A, a, a common suggestion is like a play timer and everybody gets allocated a certain amount of time, just like in chess. And <laughs> remember that time we played TI and everyone had two hours on the clock. Yep. How'd that, that go? actually like, I, I actually think it helped the game. Like, yeah, like full stop. It makes you, it makes you aware of how long your turn is. Yeah. My turns were never more than like two minutes. There were people that had like 12, 15 minute turns. I think that kind of also gets to to where not every turn is created equal, right? Like there are certain Are turns you saying are... my turns are worthless, Tim? That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. So when Sarah takes turns, fucking garbage, waste the time. But when I take turns- Asterisk over the name. <laughs> every every single second, every, every minutia, it matters, okay? But yeah, like- mm-hmm, I can tell, I can tell. It's- there's gonna there's gonna be turns that matter more than others where it's just yeah. some decisions are very easy to make. And it could be that right before your turn, a huge game-changing thing happened and you need a minute to think about it. That's acceptable. But, but I also think it's really important to make sure that you are not consistently the person at the table who's taking much longer turns than everybody else. Because mm-hmm. that again, I mean, yes, you may be able to take better turns and you may be more interested in fully understanding the game. I often am. I have to often be urging myself to realize, okay, everybody else at the table is taking fairly short turns. I should match that. And maybe there will be, you know, a turn or two in the game when something completely changed and I will take more time and that's okay. But if Mm -hmm. every one of my turns is twice as long as anybody else's turns, um, A, it's not really fair because I'm, I'm getting a lot more thinking time than other people are. And it's not fun for other people to spend twice as much time waiting for me as they take during their turn. And are you really that much better if you took twice as long and that's what allowed you to, I win. mean, I feel like I am, but <laughs> I, I, I have to think about that. You know, I, I'm notorious, notoriously guilty for slightly longer turns. So I'm slightly I'm always longer, to slightly <laughs> longer. <laughs> well, again, know. this is coming from the person with the very shortest turns for the most part. I will say I've gotten now that I've, now that I'm actually thinking about things a little bit more. And taking board games a little more seriously, I am taking longer turns. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a sign that someone's <laughs> taking things seriously. Well, here's what I would like. You want to do it long enough that you feel like you've made a good effort. And especially as you care about board games more in general, like I think that actually encourages you to take longer turns sometimes just because it is something that, you know, it, you just have a, a growing care and compassion towards the game, which makes yeah. you want to do better at it. Yep. I think though the the key with it to for etiquette purposes as we're talking about today is that you are are trying to in general take approximately as much time as other people at the table are taking. So if Tim and I are playing a game and we both take very very long on our turns and we're thinking about things very deeply, that's fine. Like neither one of us is being rude to the other because we're both doing it. If we're playing with somebody who's taking thirty second turns and we're taking five minute turns. That's not really polite at that point. And that is something that, you know, unless that person is just way better than we are. And like, again, playing chess with somebody who they can take 30 second turns and it takes me five minutes to respond. 
maybe that's okay. We're not playing with a chess clock on purpose at that point. But oh. generally, you want to not be the one who's using up all the time yourself for the game. But you also have to, as a person who takes quick turns, realize and understand when other people are taking long turns that that's also totally normal and totally acceptable. So like TI, mm. I kind of take notoriously quick turns unless I forgot it was my turn because, you know, sometimes it'd be like that. Uh, but I realize that like you guys are thinking through things and I'm not going to sit here and like tap my foot and be like, ugh, they took so long. I mean, I might like give you some shit about it, but I that's understand. A good, that's, a, that's a good counterpoint, Sarah. Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, do get annoyed when the person who's turned is gets up to go get themselves another drink instead of taking their turn. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely a party foul for sure. But kind of along the same wavelength of this conversation, I think it's also fair to realize in a game like TI, I generally still, even after everybody's taken their turn, it might be that I'm still thinking about my turn because there's so much going on. And so you can use that as leverage for yourself sometimes to mm-hmm. feel okay with like, it's okay for me to take time with my turn. Everyone right. else is still thinking about right. what they want to do. So yeah, exactly. it's kind of a read the room sort of situation. If everyone's getting up, looking around everywhere and you're still thinking about your turn. Yeah. Now you're probably in the wrong, but if it looks like everyone else is still agonizing, looking at things, you know, back and forth, then they're probably still thinking about their turn too. So it's okay for you to kind of take your time a little bit. You, you, yeah. you keep telling us all to read the room, Tim. Like we can just like look at each other and pick up like what, like nonverbal cues. Oh, social cues. Out. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know what? It's you not a stand. It's the board gaming audience, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I know you're, you're making light of it, but there is a fair point that sometimes it's not an easy thing to detect. So just try your, do do try your best, try your best. I'll also point out here that like as a person with a lot of social anxiety, we've talked a lot about like, oh, don't be on your phone. Don't be like going to get a snack. Don't go to the bathroom. If you have to go to the bathroom. Do nothing. Just- <laughs> Play board games only. <laughs> you can get up and go to the bathroom. Just try not to make Shit it- in your pants. I don't care. <laughs> Show up wearing a diaper, you yeah. know? You no, guys you- don't wear a diaper for Twilight Imperium? Adult uh, okay. diaper only. <laughs> If you want a snack, go get a snack. Just don't do it when someone is about to finish their turn directly in front of you because you want to, you know, be there for your turn so that people aren't waiting for you and listening to make sure that you washed your hands. Yeah, exactly. It seems so obvious, but the best time to get up and do other shit is right after your turn ends. So that way, because chances are the board is going to change a lot anyway, so it probably is not that advantageous to see what, the person directly in front of you does. So it, I know it's small things, but those small things like add up to a much faster game. Yeah. And if you are the person who is, cause sometimes I'm guilty of this. Sorry guys. If you are the person who pulled out their phone and is like posting stuff on Instagram or whatever, and not paying attention, recognize that you've missed stuff that's happened in the game and don't ask someone to explain it to you. Don't sit there and like then fit, try to look at the board to figure out what happened. Like you missed that chance because you weren't paying attention. Just move on. Ooh, Sarah with the cutthroat, cutthroat just, uh, take. I like. I'm it. just saying. Can't, I, if, can't, if we, I'm, can't we rewind two turns? Because I could have done a thing uh, as an interrupt here that would have been really beneficial to me if I'd been paying attention, which I wasn't. <laughs> Exactly. See, I, like, we, I'm gonna, can, I'm gonna give we, someone can we, more. Can we rewind so I can fix my move? <laughs> But where's the line, Sarah? I just went to go get a slice of pizza. How did his army get here? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 
You saw him amassing that army. You know, these, <laughs> these things don't sneak up on you. Well, I mean, sometimes they do, actually. Sometimes if you don't they realize, do. If you don't realize in TI that someone has like an, a technology that lets them move ships extra and stuff. Now, now, I might be more willing to be in Sarah's wheelhouse here if it's somebody who notoriously does not pay attention. I'm just right. like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to tell you what happened. This happened. All right. Kind of, kind of, kind of similar to this, it. though. How, how do we feel about telling people how they should be playing their game? Okay, Tell can... someone, oh, you should have Ooh. done this differently, or oh, there's a there's a move you should make that would be that would be way better than the thing you're about to do. Ken, you're always welcome to tell me what to do. <laughs> I, that sounded really weird the way that I said it, but you always give good advice. I think I've won a game of TI because you told me how I could win. I mean, we're I a bunch did. of weirdos, right? Because I would much rather somebody tell me a better move especially if it makes the game more competitive. I I think in general, if you are playing a board game well, you are also considering what other opponents are going to do, and so you're already thinking about their turn. Some games are just so massive, it's really hard to really realistically consider that, especially like TI with action cards that literally can do anything. But you're always going to weigh and consider those possibilities, and it can be kind of fun to, in general, kind of entertain different things that they could have done on their turn and maybe that plays plays out differently I, but does it bother you if someone walks up and points out to the person you've been setting up a trap on for the last 20 minutes uh how, how what, yeah. what you set them up on and how they can escape it yeah i mean that can be that can be kind of frustrating i'm not really sure what the right answer to that is there because to me that's all kind of fair game at the table because they might have reason why they bring that up you know if it's somebody who's not playing the game I might be annoyed a little bit. If they are actively in the game, I think it is fair play for them to bring up, you know, something that they see. And it's kind of up to them whether they divulge to the table that they see that. I'll also throw in this major asterisk that may be obvious to a lot of people. But if you're playing a co-op game, (laughs) you can tell other people if there's better stuff they can do. I mean, but yes and no, because again, you run into the issue with co-op games. If you are... If you are coaching the person to a point that they feel like you are not living, letting them have space to True. see how and what to do, uh, people get very frustrated playing co-op games when they feel like someone is just taking over their 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 role and not giving them space to think about themselves or figure out their own solve their own problems. Okay, and so don't be, quarterback, but I mean the you, the easy answer there is you ask that person, "Hey, do you want me to help you?" Exactly. Or do you want to just oh, do your no. own thing? If you asked me that, I would be like, fuck no, no, no. you, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. You do that at the beginning. You do it at the beginning. Right. So yeah, you say, yeah, hey, yeah. how much do you want me to help you through the game? Because if you want me to just leave you, like, at the end of the day, I don't care if we win or lose. I want you to feel like you're doing well, or I want you to kind of have have agency over that. Yep. Yeah. I, so I would say leave that up to them. That's probably the easiest thing to do is just ask that's them. that's literally feedback i've gotten from my therapist on uh, oh why are people mad when i when i offer to when i when i tell them how to how to do something better and you know how do i know if someone wants help or not on a thing and yeah basically it was like well how, how do you think you'd figure out if someone wants help and i just said scratch my head oh i could ask them i could ask them hey would you like help on this <laughs> you know what no and, it's it seems like an obvious thing but it's also something that like in medical training, they tell you, like, don't just tell your patient your blood pressure is high. You need to stop eating so much salt. We've all had that doctor that's told us something like that. And it's like so annoying because did I ask you? But if you 
talk to the patient and you're like, hey, do you mind if I tell you like a few ways that you could potentially reduce your blood pressure? Are you interested in learning about yeah. ways that is you this, could? Is this something you want to talk about? Because we can talk about right. it. Yeah, exactly. And you get their buy-in a lot faster and people feel less affronted by the fact that you think that you know more than they do about something. Mm-hmm. You're asking. And it just feels, it feels inviting, right? It, yeah. you know, in, in a co-op game, you say, hey, like, would you like some suggestions uh, on, on what you could do with your moves? Is it's going to work way better than you need to do this, and then you need to do that, and you need to do that, and that way, then I can do these three things on my turn. Mm-hmm. Like if if you do that at that point, you've just you're you're playing both sides, you're both turns, both players at that point. Like you're not. You can also get kind of a. You're not letting them come up with a problem, right? And you can get kind of like a happy middle ground as well if you just pose the options to them, and mm-hmm. you don't yeah. say how good or bad they are, because that also mm-hmm. can be like some people just don't even know how to assess what can be done, right? And so you can even just point out these are literally the choices. What you know, yep. do what you think is best. Yeah. Yep. And then if the person responds back at that point saying, Well, which do you think would be better? Maybe at that point you tell them which one do you think is better. You know, like at this point, these are kind of the options you have. You could do this, you could do that, or you could do that. And then let them consider it. Mm-hmm. And if they still seem uh, you know, stuck and what they can do or what they should do, like, well, this might let you do this, you know, show them some of the other additional options, but definitely Again, that that reading people uh, thing that Tim was talking about earlier <laughs> to figure out does this person want to hear mm-hmm. suggestions from you from you, or would they rather grapple with this a little bit themselves and try to think through the problem? In a in a more competitive setting, um, mm-hmm. another way you could do it is, oh, hey, did you consider maybe doing this as well? Like just to make sure that a certain decision was at least on their radar, not necessarily right. telling them that they should do it, but just just want to make sure you also saw this because I've definitely had people like, Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that actually. Uh, and they will, you know, correct as, as necessary if they want, but. And along that you want to be very careful of telling them that what they did was wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, because it t- could totally be that what they did was not wrong. It's just this decision is potentially slightly more optimal. But what is so funny is that I can tell when Ken thinks that something that I've done is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The the way that you talk about, I'm thinking of one very specific moment in the TI game that we played where someone, it was Tim, Tim had a ship somewhere. And I can't remember if it was when me and Morgan were playing together, if it was just Morgan playing, I think it was when we were together and we attacked (laughs) and it was like, why would you even do that? Why would you even do that? I was like, yep, yep, that, that doesn't, doesn't make tactical sense, but. Oh, I remember this play. Oh man. And the, and you were doing it for a secret objective and you still got the secret objective. It didn't matter. Yeah. I literally, I, I, we probably talked about it for 10 minutes where I was. And you kept saying it doesn't matter. Don't do this. It doesn't matter. Yep. That was was pretty funny. So when that happens, generally believe people that they're willing to. They're willing to say for 10 minutes straight, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I was trying to convince you that like, you're just wasting resources. I was trying to be more aggressive. You guys are always saying I'm not aggressive enough. That's true. It's true. But. All right. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys experienced any other things at table that, that, that felt rude or made you not want to play with people or. I mean, some people just got birds flying around. Uh, I consider that as part of our uh, our home home game strategy. Home so, game strategy is the home birds. Turf. Yep, yeah. exactly. 
I like to just totally throw you off your game by having a bird land on your head. You know, yeah, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. No, I'm just, I'm absolutely totally kidding. Your birds are amazing. They're, They're pretty cute. So to wrap this up, what we've learned is etiquette is all about being considerate, mm-hmm. reading the room, maybe going to therapy. <laughs> probably <laughs> going to therapy. Highly, probably highly after the games. Probably after the games. I mean, ninety percent of us could use some some therapy. You know, find what works for you. <laughs> this could be a better health ad. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna pivot to, to mental health. Yeah. You know. Okay, so. I think that's that's about our time for this episode. Maybe some some last minute wrap up. So, do we have any any board game interests? Anything that's coming up that you're excited about before the next episode? I saw a Ticket to Ride Legacy, which sounds really fascinating. I don't yeah. really know much about it, but it could be really cool. I'm not really sure what what to do with it, but at the same time, I probably would have said with Pandemic Legacy, like I wouldn't know yep. what you would do with that. And now that's my favorite board game probably ever it's hard to it's hard to ever relive it so i say overall my favorite game mm-hmm. is still spirit island but for high highs like pandemic legacy season one still tops the chart so yeah I've n- nearly nearly all of my ticket to ride play was uh actually on the uh android app for it so um, oh really i'd be oh yeah i played played a lot of uh a lot of ticket to ride on the app i have never but... played ticket to ride nor have i played oh, pandemic. sarah <laughs> sarah <laughs> I know. Oh I man, know. we're we're slowly we're slowly sucking her in. But now I have played Castles of Burgundy. That's true. Which and is I won't ever again confuse it with the Cat- Castle of Mad Mad King Ludwig. Mad King Ludwig. Yeah. Also a great game. Also a great game. Yeah. I know. So I think I mentioned at the top of the episode, but getting into really deep deep into Final Girl. And Ken recently sent me the Kickstarter for the Final Girl Season 3. That is super exciting. They've got like what looks like a Saw one. They've got a Terminator one. Super freaking cool. I am probably going to immediately uh, get in on that at a high level. Stranger Things one? Yeah, there's a Stranger Things one. I mean, just great. Hmm. Awesome. And did I mention that you can mix them up? So like... Each one has a villain and a location and then two final girls. You can play Nurse Ratchet at the summer camp with Jason, like <laughs> with a girl that's got an Eskimo dog from the Antarctica one. Like wow. you can you can make so many different games with this and it's well balanced. It. It's it's great. That's yeah, awesome. that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, Sarah, we'll have to have a, a solo game podcast because I actually have uh, I have several solo games. Um, in terms of other interesting board games, uh, Dragon Eclipse has been making a lot of waves because it's basically Pokemon in dragon form, in board game form. So could be interesting. I've I've watched a video, uh, a, a playthrough of it. It looks good. I'm not sure if it's going to have the complexity that I would care about because it is a deck builder and it. I'm not sure if they make it to where you can ever have more than 10 cards in your deck. They're still, they basically have only done like a, uh, like a demo or intro can like campaign where they just kind of show off, you know, tutorial. It's like a tutorial. Then t- the tutorial looks cute. I just, I don't know. I worry that there's just not enough complexity there, but I love the idea of 
basically collecting Pokemon in card form again in a non-TCG way where you're basically going to, you know, destroy your bank account. Because I will say that the entry level Kickstarter is 55 bucks and it's like 600 cards, which is actually pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. So nice. Something to take a look at. I Even if you miss like the main Kickstarter window, obviously you could do a late pledge. So just keep an eye on it. Looks interesting. Yeah, I think for myself, the next game that I think I'm likely to buy uh, buy next time I'm in a game store that has it is probably going to be Frostpunk at this point. I've uh, communicated to uh, my, my circle a number of times that I really like single-player games that are uh, very brutal and punishing, and uh, that, that was uh, suggested to me to be a, 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 a good uh, single-player game if I'm, if I'm into that. Uh, also, uh, likely will have uh, have some time to be, uh, be doing a single player game by myself in the, the near future. So, if it's anything like the video game, which I am now into, I actually picked it up maybe a month or two ago. Okay. That video game is awesome. So, I'm very very curious uh, to play the board game as well because it's it's cooperative, yeah. right? And yeah, I think my dad owns it as well. So, I might actually end up playing it over over the holidays. Yeah. We'll see. No, your, your dad. Your dad was definitely one of the people that was talking about it in a way that made me uh, made me think I'd be interested because I I normally don't do single player board games. Uh, I've played very very few uh, actually that I could think of, uh, but it just seemed like uh, like the kind of thing I can see myself getting into. Just in that if it's uh, if it's as brutally uh, brutally punishing and challenging as uh, as uh, uh, Tim's dad described it as to me, uh, I, I think uh, I think it could be something I uh, I might be into. Yeah, so we've got a couple potential topics then on, on the radar for, for next time. Maybe maybe we talk about solo games, but we've also got some other game categories that we haven't had the chance to talk about yet, or we, we went over them in, in the general sense, but we haven't done mm-hmm. the deep dive of many of those. And Plus, I hate to be this person because I'm a Halloween person, so we're still very much in Halloween season, mm-hmm. so much deeply into Halloween season right now, but... You know, since we're recording ahead of time a little bit, we got to start thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, gifting. Yeah. Board I mean, game gifts for board gamers, gifts, board game gifts for non board gamers, mm-hmm. board games for children. I mean, Santa is just fucking beaten up on, on Freddy Cougar with his with his magic sack, you know. OK, mm-hmm. you say that, but there is actually a Krampus final girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of season three. I was I was trying to point you at uh, some uh, some board games for children uh, as as gifts uh, recently, Sarah. So I, I don't know if uh, that ended up working out, but um... she's only four. They were for like five and up, and I talked to my mom, and she was like, "Well, what is this?" Okay, so let me tell you that it's it's Mysterium for kids. They have it Mysterium looks... for kids, huh? There's, There's also mis- a side for kids. Yes, yeah. we we were looking at that as well. Nah. And my mom was like, well, what is the game about? And I was like, well, you're murdered. And I was like, well, I mean, in this game, you're not murdered. The kids one, you're not murdered. No, you're but just the real game, you're ghost. Mur- <laughs> the real game, you're murdered. <laughs> she was like, yeah, maybe I mean, not. Holiday, holiday gift stuff is challenging on many levels. But I don't know if we'll, how good we'll be compared to There's a lot of uh, good YouTubers who have some good holiday gifting guides. So. Uh, we could probably at least touch upon what we think might be good gifts, but they, we don't have to be good. We're just friends chatting about board games, Tim. That's true. <laughs> this is not a highly researched. By default, episode. we're already trash. You're right. That's true. That's true. You know, the bar is low. The bar we're is giving, low. We're giving only our opinions that have not been researched, except maybe kids. <laughs> mm. 
I don't put that much research into my opinions. I mean, in terms of and our listenership has been pretty good overall. So like so far, I'd have to say, I mean, what are we up to in terms of unique listeners overall? I think it's it's over it, 150. Yeah, it's higher than 200 that. for unique listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think we're, yeah. We're beyond 200, which is pretty sweet. Which, speaking of, actually, if you've got good board game gifting ideas that you want to give us for our next episode, feel free to follow us on our Instagram. We're over at uh, the Board Game Triangle on Instagram. Maybe one day we'll have an ASMR board game TikTok. (laughs) You never know. But if you want to DM us your favorite board game gifting ideas... Feel free. And the Discord. We have a Discord and we definitely would love to have you join us and just chat yep. about random things. We are we're frequently talking about things. And my dad also, of course, he is a frequent visitor in there as well. So yeah, come yep. say hi. It's pretty low stakes. We're just, we like to shoot the shit. So come say hi. Be part of some really wholesome discussions with Tim's dad. <laughs> I love it so much. We're currently at 190 unique listeners. So oh, dang. Uh, everyone- yeah, so uh, definitely would encourage uh, get us uh, get us some ratings, get us some reviews. We uh, we are we are well beyond uh, just uh, our personal friends having downloaded and uh, and listened to this at this point, which so. is really incredible, guys. So uh, yeah, thanks really so big, much. Really big thanks to all the listeners out there, and yeah, please uh, star us because I think I don't know how the algorithms work, but I'm sure it helps. So if yep. you if you can spare any moment, just please give us some stars. Okay, and I promise next episode we'll have this scripted out so it won't be so <laughs> rambling. Well, this, see, this is why they come to us. You know, it comes from the heart. You know, we're it's not from this the heart scripted, you know, pansy ass shit. All right, we we come with soul. We're begging for your likes from the heart. Please like me. <laughs> pick us. Just pick us. In the arms of an angel. <laughs> Oh my Thanks, God. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see you next time. Uh, bye, everybody.